Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys. Today we discuss about a very important topic because without UX, it's hard to grow your business. It's hard to sell your products. It's hard to get traffic because without user experience, without satisfying user intent better than your competitors, you can't go ahead. That's why I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Joe Karasin. How are you? Hi, how's it going today? Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, yeah, we chatted a little bit about Monday, so I love this day <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, because of passion that I do. So, uh, Joe, before we start, just tell more about your experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about this very important topic. So uh, my name is Joe Harrison. I'm the uh, chief marketing officer at digitalwill.com, um, which is a digital uh, estate planning tool, uh, a solution that will uh, help you even after you're gone. Um, and I'll, I'll get a little bit into that at some point. But um, so I've been in uh, digital marketing for a little over a decade now. Um, you know, one of the things that I have always been a proponent of is letting the data help you make your decisions, um, whether it is in the content that you produce or in the way that you structure your ad accounts um, and also, you know, in the way that the user experience flow is designed for your uh, your website or your mobile app or whatever other, uh, you know, tools you're using. So uh, that is a little bit of why I, you know, this topic was interesting to me. Um, and I think might be interesting to those of you that are listening. Yeah, 100% will be interested because, you know, without well, yeah, uh, without data, you can't go ahead. You can develop and grow your business. And, you know, for example, 12 years ago, when I started my uh, journey, online journey, I created a bunch of websites. At that time, I didn't consider a lot about data i didn't collect data because competition was low so mm -hmm. low you know uh, but today when you need to pay like five ten uh dollars per click you know it's not like five ten cents uh, many years ago yeah you need to uh, consider data you need to analyze a buying persona to uh, and create content that satisfies uh, user intent okay joe can you tell where to start? For example, let's imagine I have a new project. I'm going to promote it uh, and uh, I have no data. So any insights how to collect this data? Yeah, so my very first thing I tell anybody who's looking to like start a brand new uh, you know, app or pro product, product, whatever it is, you need to determine like what means success for your customer. Like what is that high level stuff that the customer that you really want is going to be doing? So let's say you are, uh, you've created an app that, you know, helps you design uh, baseball cards, right? So how do you, what's a successful user? Successful users completed the creation of a baseball card. How does the user do that? They have to take specific actions to do that. So you can benchmark those actions along their journey. Now that you understand like what your um, successful customer looks like, that then you can start uh, optimizing your experience for those particular actions. So what's going to be the fastest path for the user to get to success, right? 
How do they get there? So, you know, there's different ways you can do it. But, you know, I think the first thing you need to do is understand, like, where you need the customer to be. Then you need to create that fast path. You need to understand, like, what that quick path is going to look like. And you need to make sure that that path is smooth for them, but also still gives you the information you need. And I think that's where some brands get hung up. So I think like they're willing, they want to throw long forms in front of people and, you know, collect all this information up front. And what that does most of the time is it makes the user go, whoa, hold on. I don't want to give you all this information about me. Uh, so first party data collection is really, you know, is about building trust. So a lot of times what you'll see in most, um, you know, most platforms now is like a guest mode or free use, right? So they can go in and play around a little bit and, you know, maybe they'll give you like a little bit of, you know, like Canva is a good example of this. Canva does a really good job of letting you do a little bit, uh, but there's all these premium things that you have to get in order to, you know, unlock certain templates and some of the better, um, you know, assets that you want to use. So, you know, that's sort of the the kind of model that you can incorporate, but it, it allows you to collect the data from somebody, but also build that trust with them up front. Yeah. Some of the quicker kind of things you can do early on. Yeah. Canva is a great example. But if you check out Google, it's free. Facebook, it's free. Of course, they uh, monetize uh, a lot, but uh, almost all big friends are free in some way. So you can use them. Uh, even Apple, for example, Apple podcast is free. I, I can listen to uh, podcast for free. So uh, you need to find how to share value to help others, support others. Then, uh, yeah, you can think how to monetize your efforts. I'm interested about another aspect uh, about uh, collecting data. Uh, it's over data. You know, interested about that. Um, uh, once I read a story about Jeff Bezos, when uh, research team uh, came to him and asked about uh, uh, that they need more time to collect data about a new product, that was Alexa. You know, almost all companies, uh, homes in the US have this gadget, but you know, um, and uh, they told him, we need more time to analyze, uh, analyze customers, to think how to we can create this product. And he replied, no way, nobody knows. We need to test, we need to use, we have enough data. Can you tell how to find this balance between data and over data? Because once I spoke with uh, uh, a great expert on this niche, um, sorry, I don't remember the name, but you know, uh, anyway, um, she told me, uh, the biggest problem when companies uh, get over data than they need because 60% of data are ignored. So uh, can you tell how to find this balance between data and over data? Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting because, you know, working in a um, startup environment, you know, speeds everything, right? So like we could sit there on our you know, twiddle our thumbs while we're collecting, 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 and not necessarily actually take action. But what what I find, what I think is like the most important thing when, you, when it comes to like how much data do you need and what information should you be getting, you know, really it's about like what's going to make the user experience better. Like I think if you're using the data, if you find data that's going to help you improve the user experience, 
then you're not really going over what you need to. Um, you know, I think like when you start getting into platforms like Alexa was a, is a good example. Like, does Alexa really need to know that like I bought a wooden spoon, you know, six weeks ago? Does Jeff Bezos need to know that? Probably not. That's a little much. You can collect the data if you need to, but what are you going to use it for? And I think finding that like what what's the best use case for the data that you're collecting? That is, I think, the more important question. And I think like if it's data you're not going to use, then it's, you know, you're collecting too much to begin with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's talk about personalization. You know, uh, customers are impatient to get what they want to get. Uh, like, as I mentioned, 12 years ago, they didn't because they didn't have uh, a lot of choices that they have today. They can watch videos on YouTube, uh, get uh, websites on Google, uh, listen to audio podcasts, many different channels, uh, social media. So, uh, can you tell how to personalize the experience? Because we have a huge bounce rate today, like 80%. You know, uh, for example, uh, I check out a study that uh, readers only read 5% of all books. So 95% are ignored. Uh, and it's the same with any content. Uh, on YouTube, 80% uh, of people uh, leave videos for uh, uh, 20 seconds. No, because you couldn't get their attention. So let's talk about personalization, how to personalize your content according to uh, getting data. Yeah, so personalization, obviously, you know, in order to personalize, you need to collect some information and some data. Um, and, you know, that to me is something that we are a little less, uh, you know, in our organization, we're a little less worried about, mainly because, like, we really only want to use the data to like improve user experience. So, you know, we can collect data that will help like the user move through our uh, our process and help them set up their digital will and help them, you know, invite executors and things like that into the platform. But, you know, I think when we talk about personalization, we're talking a little bit more about things like uh, e-commerce, right? And like shopping, for example. You know, and you can collect the data of what people are shopping for. And then, you know, you can have that data routed through to, you know, into a CRM that will help you figure out, okay, here's here's 10 other things they might want. But, you know, in our our particular, you know, business model, it, it isn't really like as important or as, you know, uh, as crucial to uh, worry about personalization. Uh, one thing that we're really um, uh, pretty pretty strict about is is data privacy and data security. And so we don't ever provide third uh, party with data from our customers, um, mainly because of the sensitive nature of what we're collecting and what we're doing uh, for our customers. So we actually like try not to do things like that. And so we don't really, you know, that, that sort of thing is sort of um, kind of against what we we do, which is interesting, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, love it, love it. You, you remind me a story about, you know, uh, uh, Walmart or, uh, yeah, Walmart, probably Walmart, you know, uh, collected data about pregnant women mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they analyzed uh, how long does it take to uh, get a kid and then uh, send them messages about uh, uh, some kids' stuff 
on Walmart, and uh, many of these women uh, felt that someone uh, uh, stole this information uh, and uh, yeah, uh, insulted them, many of them, they don't understand how they know, you know, that uh, they have a kid. So yeah, it's better to be careful with that and use only legal methods to collect this data. Okay, so uh, I have the question about, um, for example, okay, uh, I have data. Uh, I know how to personalize my experience, but how to cover all this information with uh, a buying persona? Uh, the reason why I'm asking about that, uh, once I spoke with a webmaster who told me he lost uh, 400,000 traffic and more, a lot, because Google dropped ranking positions, but he didn't lose any sales. So he got a huge traffic without sales. Uh, can you tell how to create content that covers a buying persona because it's not only about traffic or engagement it's more about selling products in the end any insights about uh uniting your strategy with a buying persona yeah so one of the things you know we do early we did early on was we, we really kind of understood like the people that are going to be most interested in what we're doing and those kind of personas are things that we um you know, are, are certain people that are going to be more apt to be thinking about end of life planning, you know, people who maybe have terminal illnesses, people who have dangerous jobs like police, military, firefighters, moms and kids, you know, moms of children that, you know, they worry about those things. And then also, um, you know, uh, the elderly, you know, uh, baby boomers, things like that. So, you know, and then once you have those like user profiles that you've sort of seen over and over again, you then can start to really look at the content that's going to be valuable to them. You know, um, one of the things that I found really beneficial in, in, in help, helping develop a content strategy has really been utilizing things like Reddit and Quora, like looking into those, those topical discussions of like, what are these people actually talking about around these subject matters? You know, and I think that that like kind of helps you like take that persona and really, you know, flesh it out a little bit more, you know, um, you know, what are, what are baby boomers talking about? Most of them are talking about things like, how do I leave my grandson this watch if I don't have like a will or how do I create a will so I can leave these things for my, my loved ones. So things like that are, are, are heavier topics that get talked about uh, when it comes to like uh, somebody who's terminally ill. How do I get to be there for my loved ones when they're having big events and I'm not able to be there because I'm gone? Things like that. So those kinds of topics are things that are really important. So then you can create content for that. And that, I think, is, you know, a way you can personalize, but also a way that you can really speak directly to those people that are going to be most interested in what you're selling. And I think, you know, the example you brought up is a good indicator, right? So, like, you can get all the traffic in the world and have no sales and you can lose half your traffic and get more sales. And it really is about like finding that that niche market that you have really pinned down and then you can kind of understand them better. Yeah, yeah. Even if you get only 100 people but can sell 10 times, it's better than if you have million traffic but can sell like zero or <laughs> a few times exactly. no, because yeah, sales are fuel. Uh, we have the question about uh, mm, someone uh, wanna ask about specific niche or broad niche, uh, where to choose direction. Can you tell about that? Yeah, so 
I mean, obviously it's sort of a, oddly enough, it's kind of, ironically, it's kind of a broad question, um, but you know, it, it depends on like what it is you you're doing. You have a product, you know, if you're looking to develop a product, I think it makes, it makes sense to go with a specific niche if there's nothing existing, but if there's something that exists, then I would, you know, I would go otherwise, I'm sorry. I, I flip flop that. If nothing exists, go with a broad niche. And if there's something, and, and if any, if something does, you know, try to dig in a little deeper and get into the specifics. If there's solutions out there that are already kind of really dominating the market, either improve on them or look elsewhere and look into something that might be a little more, you know, the, the geniuses that, that, at this are, are uh, 3M, right? The 3M doesn't make anything. They make everything better. That's their whole thing. And so that is something that I think might be a, a good way to think about, you know, whether or not you should go specific or broad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Mustabaz, uh, uh, for your question. I like it. And uh, uh, I think, you know, for me, it's more important to start with specific niche, you know, but if you have results, you can uh, take more broad niche, but it's better to start from specific niche uh, to pay attention in one direction because uh, broad niche is overwhelmed and overpriced. But when you focus uh, in one specific direction, then results will be much better because you don't try to be jack of all trades to take everything. If you have resources, yeah, then go away. Why not? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I have the question about, you know, on your LinkedIn profile, I see in the section about optimizing growth strategies across digital platforms. Let's talk more about that. Can you tell how to optimize the strategy? Because, you know, according to uh, Marketed Institute, uh, only 36% of all businesses have a documented content strategy. Most of them ignore creating content strategy even more even uh, some businesses that have it doesn't mean they have some uh, well analyzed strategy they usually check out com competitors see how they get traffic sales and replicate it i'm not sure it's a good idea because competitors are good with their strong sides uh, they have their unique selling proposition can you tell how optimize the strategy and find something that will actually work for a specific business yeah so you know every strategy is different for every business. So really you need to understand the, the goals and the overall structure of what it is you're trying to accomplish. And then looking at every single individual platform, how do you utilize that platform? Everything's got its own unique characteristics. So like social media has its own sort of like best practices, right? SEO has its own best practices. Paid search has its own best practices. And then there's sometimes there's platforms that won't help you that are things are actually counterproductive, you know, for like, for example, if your audience is pretty much like 55 and older, like if you're telling selling, you know, something that that's more for like a retirement community, TikTok is probably not going to be the platform you want to use. Now, if you're trying to sell, you know, drink tickets to a, a really hip concert, TikTok is a great platform. You know, those, that's the kind of thing, you know, it's so it's understanding each one of those like different content levers and how they're going to best, you know, improve your brand and help your marketing strategy. You know, so it's 
you know, for us, it was really like, you know, omni-channel was really the best way to go. We really had to be pretty much everywhere. And we really needed to have like the customer at the center of our marketing. We needed to talk to the communities that we were serving and say like, this is how this person's life got better as a result of what we do. It was more about like giving them the, the ability to imagine what they could be doing with our platform as opposed to we have this, 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 and this feature, you know, cause that features for something brand new don't really have the same selling point as they do with, you know, the imagination and, and tapping into that emotional connection. And that's a big part of, of strategy as well. And then from there, once you kind of have your platform strategy outlined, then it becomes, okay, like you said earlier about some other things, test, 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 test. You need to start testing your content, testing your audiences, and really seeing if like what you're doing is working. Because at the end of the day, you can have the best looking content strategy document in the world, but if it's not moving the needle in terms of sales, adoption, whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, you're dead in the water. And that's really like the the, the bulk of what, you know, I try to accomplish is, is getting that strategy to be something that's actually going to be successful. Yeah. Awesome. You know, I, I love it because, you know, uh, you know, uh, once I made a mistake, by the way, I, I, I made a lot of mistakes. I keep doing them, but you know, I, I love learning from my mistakes. And uh, in 2020, I decided to uh, grow my social media accounts uh, on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, LinkedIn, probably Pinterest, many social media platforms because of repurposing content. But uh, the best results that I got were like five followers a day, a hundred views. Then I switch all my attention to LinkedIn, you know, ignoring all other social media platforms to get uh, uh, 200 followers a day uh, plus uh, 10,000 views a lot. So because of focusing on a specific niche, can you tell how to implement multi-channel approach? Because, for example, I see when companies copy um, Gary V and Gary Vaynerchuk can say, uh you need to repurpose content everywhere that's okay if you have resources if you have skills but if you just do it for the sake of adding content everywhere it doesn't work if you have no audience it doesn't work so can you tell how to use multi-channel approach effectively yeah so you know one of the things that it kind of gets back to what i was saying about the strategy portion a little mm -hmm. bit audiences hang out on certain platforms you know, if you're in B2B, Facebook probably isn't going to mean a whole lot to you, but it'll mean a lot to you to be on LinkedIn and to really grow from there. The people that are going to be interested in what you have to say and what you're putting out are going to be on that platform. Um, if you are a, you know, if you're an influencer or something and you're trying to help, you know, increase product sales, Instagram is probably going to be your best bet. So grow your Instagram channel. Once you've grown and then understanding, like if you're trying to take a multi-channel approach, understand the audience that's there. Tailor your messaging to them. Don't just take one video and slap it on every platform and expect it to be the, you know, the, the successful piece of content that you, you know, that, oh, it was great on LinkedIn, so it must be good everywhere else. Not necessarily. You know, you need to look at 
you know, things like even even like weird sort of things like aspect ratios, right? Like on Instagram, some videos look funky because people try to take their their YouTube and crank it into a vertical rather than actually resizing it. Now, granted, that takes a little more work and a little more know-how, but it's something to think about. Like if something looks like, you know, if something doesn't look good on the platform, I'm going to skip it, right? Nobody wants to just look at like a weird thing. So it's important to understand the platform, understand the audience on that platform, and then tailor the messaging around those you know, around those, like those two things to understand how to effectively grow each of those channels. Once you do that, making it, taking a multi-channel approach is not as hard as it sounds, but it is something that's important. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to have resources, you know, for multi-channel sure, approach. Yeah. Uh, okay. We have the question, uh, one more question about AI. So yeah, it's a hot topic today. I think, mm -hmm. you know, that was simple to ignore AI to, uh, yesterday, hard today and impossible tomorrow. <laughs> so we need to consider trends and I personally use AI uh, tools a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. I use them before ChatGPT, and I keep using them because of uh, saving my time. No, I know how it's important to save my time, resources, and if AI content can help, yeah, why not? Uh, and it's not a golden button. Uh, it's not like to click and get uh, complete content. Uh, you need to edit to uh, think how to personalize or uh, uh, add some emotions or data. No, yeah, just, but it's uh time saver if you don't uh create from scratch you know creating from scratch um, yeah takes time okay can what do you think about ai content uh, jasper chat ggpt or any other tools uh today yeah i think i i think you hit the nail on the head i think it you know back when i was a kid we didn't have like tools like this you know i'm, I'm a little older we had like encyclopedias <laughs> and so you would go to the library and you would do research in an encyclopedia about a topic and then you would write your essay and your essay couldn't just be the encyclopedia article. You needed to write about it on your own. And that's kind of the same thing. Like, yes, it moves a lot quicker than like a book would, but you're really just researching the topic. And I think that's the best use of the of this technology right now is pulling like information, you know, instead of having to grab 20 different articles about, you know, uh, a topic, you know, type it into chat GPT, get the information, and then take that information and actually plug it into a unique piece of content. Because at the end of the day, they're still going to prioritize unique research and unique content over this. I think like when you ask if you're going to be penalized, I don't think penalized is the right way to look at it. What's going to happen though is your content is going to get lost. Your content is going to look like everybody else's. It's going to sound like everybody else's. And like if you've got 20 websites that all have the same article about the same topic, they're really just going to show you the one that has the best like other signals. So there's no like your website's just going to get ignored. So it's really important to understand that while utilizing these tools is great. And I think they're really they help speed along that that cycle of creation. You need to be really careful about what next steps you're going to take. Don't just write what everybody else is going to write because then you are going to end up losing. Yeah, yeah. You know, you remind me interesting uh, story about a girl. 
she was uh, introvert and um, no she didn't have friends uh, she didn't have uh, engagement on social media and once she decided to post content about herself uh, to do it consistently and after that a million people started to follow her a lot of people follow her because million people are the same she didn't copy others she didn't replicate uh, influencers she didn't show that she's someone else because when you play yourself when you uh, be yourself you can go ahead and overcome all obstacles uh, that's why i usually recommend to my customers uh, to any specialist on uh, linkedin don't use best practices your best practice is your strong side you know and be yourself so uh, if you are good with writing then write if you're good with filming film no nothing special about that so uh, but if your competitors are good on youtube and you don't know how to film videos and have no passion about that skip it find mm -hmm. other channels where you like more yeah i love it okay joe i have the question about common mistakes can you list common mistakes that companies still do in creating content for user experience and uh, how to find a much better way. Yeah, I think uh, one of the biggest mistakes they make is I don't think a lot of companies do uh, quality uh, you know, QA work. I think that they just throw the content out there and, you know, let it go. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of companies that want to ask for data like right up front and they don't give you any value to associate with it. And so a lot of companies get skipped that way. Um, I think that a lot of companies don't really focus, especially if you've been in business for a long time and you've got a, like a strong business and everything. I think a lot of them let um, SEO slack. I think that they don't really think about it much anymore. I think because they've already, it's like they've, they've completed the marathon so now they don't need to continue to train. I think that's sort of the, the mentality. And I think that's a big problem. I think that that ends up kind of ruining things for them long-term. I mean, they don't really feel the pain initially, but they will eventually. Um, so I think those things are all kind of important uh, mistakes that I see get made. Um, you know, those, I think that, you know, and I think understanding, I think, you know, constantly understanding what it is your your, your audience wants and give and making sure that they're getting it. You know, I think that companies that made it, make it hard to find what you're looking for, companies that make it impossible to get an answer to a question, those, you know, that stuff will, will burn people every time. So I'm, I'm, those are some of the more common ones I see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it, love it. Okay, uh, let's talk about patience. Can you tell, you know, because marketing is not a sprint, it's marathon, it takes time. And according to many studies, content creators keep up so fast because they can't get results. For example, you know, uh, the best um, videos that um, I watch on YouTube about uh, filming a hundred bad videos, because you know how you can film a great video without experience, how you can uh, touch customers points without experience. That's why PewDiePie didn't give up after filming a hundred videos, he got only 285 subscribers today he has 100 million mm -hmm. uh, mr beast film videos for an year and a half to get only thousand subscribers mm -hmm. today everyone knows mr beast because this 
uh, guys didn't give up. They loved what they do. So can you tell about patience? Because most people are impatient. They want to overnight success. They see uh, great content creators who deserve audience because of consistency, because of hard work, because of making a lot of mistakes. But they didn't give up any insights about how to uh, get this feeling uh, and go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So um, if you are doing this solely to become rich, <clears throat> you're not going to want to hang around. That's the thing, because it is a long journey to create content that resonates with people um, that then will people will start to talk about what you're doing. Um, you know, but I think I think part of the problem is that like right now we don't get a lot of the behind the scenes like pain that people go through when they're creating this stuff. You know, everybody like they just discover Mr. Beast and they think, oh, wow, this guy's just been successful since day one. You know, PewDiePie, they oh, this is, you know, but like they don't see that you know, that back journey, the fact that like, you know, a couple of years ago, these guys weren't doing, you know, didn't have anybody following them, you know, that sort of stuff. So it's really about like, if you, if this, if what you're passionate about is, you know, creating and you create content around that, you'll get there. It's just, you have to stick with it. But the thing is like, if you're not, if you're really just creating content because you think it's a good way to make money, you're not going to stick with it because what's the point? You know, it's not like, it's not the most, if it's something you don't love, it's not going to be fun. And then therefore you're not going to want to keep doing it. So I would, you know, that's like, I think the patience thing comes in when you really care about what you're doing and you really love it, then you're willing to stick it out. And at that point, then you can start doing some of the things we talk about, like testing and about like, you know, kind of, you know, repurposing content and learning how people respond to it and that sort of thing. But, you know, when you're new and and if it's really just like, oh, well, everybody else is making money on Instagram, so I'm going to make money on Instagram. I I don't know. I don't think it's, that's not really, the, this really isn't the career for you. I think you need to look elsewhere, honestly. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't agree more with that. I think, you know, passion. Uh, is a must-have if you uh, are not passionate about something. Uh, so it's better to leave it and find something else because it takes time to achieve some strong positions. Mm -hmm. But if you are not passionate, uh, you can give up. And for me, it's nothing is wrong with giving up if you don't like what you started, uh, if you suffer, you know, by doing something because. Uh, I like uh, creating content. I like writing. I like filming because it's my passion. And uh, people, for example, uh, watch uh, overwatch TV six hours a day. So they don't wait when someone will pay money for their hobbies. And uh, uh, and uh, it's the same with content. You need to love and enjoy the process. If you love it, then you you're not waiting for money. Uh, for example, I can play basketball, ping pong because i love uh spending time like this but uh nobody pays money for my playing right yeah i i'm not great sportsman you know but uh, i like it and uh, i think uh, creating content is hobby if it's not mm -hmm. hobby then find something else you know not, uh, many great entrepreneurs you know specialists have no engagement have no social media followers but they uh, can 
enjoy the process in something else and earn good money because money can come if you are passionate about something <laughs> so sure. yeah i i agree with that okay joe i have the question about you let's imagine you started from scratch without uh, your experience in marketing uh, what will you do today to learn more about user experience so i have no marketing experience how am i gonna learn about user yeah. experience Ooh. yeah let, let me let me tell you why i'm asking about that because you know i found uh that i usually get much better results to someone who understands seo if webmasters understand seo we can uh cooperate together it's not like uh to tell uh, i don't know people who know uh how to promote websites it's more about to uh cooperate together to work mm-hmm. as a cohesive team and uh, for example nine uh, many people can't build muscles why because they think that uh, uh i don't know like coaches trainers can tell them what to do mm-hmm. no you need to understand why you want to build muscles uh any insights about how to learn from scratch if someone wanna promote uh, their projects yeah so um i think i understand the question let me um yeah like so if you are let's say you've built something and you don't know how to promote it yeah then my suggestion would be to do exactly kind of like understanding like you know how to i would say if you're talking about it go on social talk about the product see if people are like resonating with what you're saying you know i think like it's almost like market testing or market field testing right like, hey, I built this thing or I want to build this thing. What do you think of it? And kind of go from there because I don't, you know, to me, I, you know, I, I, I'm a marketing first kind of person. I'm not a product guy. And so for me, it's like, it's very easy for me to think about, okay, you've got this thing. How do I market it for you? As opposed to how do you build something and then figure it out later? I think, you know, that's, I've never really had to go through that process myself. Uh, thankfully, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay joe i have the final question about the future in marketing many things are coming metaverse augmented reality we have ai today probably in the beginning of uh, development because uh, it's only if i remember correctly google implemented ai in 2015 seven mm-hmm. years ago it's not a lot you know and uh, today all businesses can use ai uh, can you tell what kind of future will be in your prediction and how to adapt today to this future? Yeah, so I think I think AI is going to continue to be important. Um, and I think it's going to take, uh, you know, like we're going to be, you know, we use it on in our platform uh, to help route um, people's final wishes and things like that. So that's going to be a big thing. Um, I think that I, I'll, I'll, I'll take kind of, a, I'm going to make the sort of a hot take here. I don't, I think the metaverse is eventually going to just collapse. I don't think it's something that's going to last. I I really don't. I I think that, you know, I think people still want to have real, you know, real things. I don't think that that's always going to, it'll have a place, but I don't think it's going to be the big thing that like Mark Zuckerberg thought it was going to be. But I think AI is going, is around, is going to be here to stay. I think it's going to be more and more important to understand it and understand and I think understand like the line with which you need to be on in terms of user experience and not 
being too creepy. You know, I think that that's important because I think there's like the, the public, I don't think has, is caught up to that yet. You know, I think like those of us that are in the industry sort of like, we just assume everybody's kind of in the same place we are with things because we're all just very much looking for that next shiny object. But the general consumer, you, they, you know, they need to be brought along the journey with you. So understanding that that could be a problem for them. So I think those are going to be some of the, the challenges that you're going to run into, you know, in the, in, the, in this year. Um, you know, do I, do I think everybody, I think a lot of people are going to lean a little heavily on AI for their content creation to begin with, which I think is going to create opportunities for those of us that understand you need to personalize and make it a little bit different. And, you know, I think you're going to create some, some, so you can make some headway with that, but uh, eventually it'll correct itself and things will get better. SEO does that all the time, right? You know, back in the day, you know, everybody was doing black hat stuff and then Google came in and corrected the behaviors and things got better. So um, those are kind of my, you know, 2023 predictions. You know, we'll see what happens. I'm usually wrong about that kind of stuff. So don't take everything <laughs> I say for gospel. <laughs> Uh, so you don't have crystal ball, you know, because nope. <laughs> yeah, if I have it, the, the first thing what I can do to buy a lottery ticket, you know, if I have crystal ball, <laughs> <laughs> but we have no this crystal ball and yeah, we can predict what will be so to adapt today. And uh, for me, it's more important to be consistent today, then you can adapt fast with new technologies and yeah mark zuckerberg uh, I, i'm pretty sure that he lost uh, 10 billion dollars on this uh, metaverse but uh, yeah uh, and you know uh, once i got interesting quote from him uh, he told it the biggest risk is not to take a risk you know so yeah we need to take a risk we need to sure. analyze and in marketing many things uh, don't work because it doesn't mean they don't work because you are bad with that, so find uh, your strong side and uh, leave it to someone who is good with this stuff. Yeah, Joke, it's a big pleasure to get in my show, to learn from you. Tell our audience the best way how to learn more about you, how to follow you, how to reach out to you. Sure. So um, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Joe Harrison. That's my name. Um, you can uh, follow our company on Instagram, Digital Will dot com digital company uh we're on every social platform but uh get ready for our big release coming up this month uh february uh you will be able to pretty soon download the digital will app and actually use it so uh you know that i think will be the big thing but um i write a lot of blogs there i, I do a lot of content there uh youtube you know pretty much everywhere um and people can reach out to me directly if they have questions about marketing or anything on linkedin so yeah, nice, nice, guys. You need to follow Joe on LinkedIn, on YouTube, uh, check out the stuff, new uh, things that are coming because you can see a lot of valuable insights and it can help you to go ahead to grow your business. Okay, guys, love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.